Welcome to The Meteor Podcast, a weekly news show about what's going on in the media community. This episode is for Friday, September 19th, 2014. Welcome, Meteor fans. I'm your host, Josh Owens, along with my co-host... Ryan Walker from Differential. I guess uh, we both work full-time with Meteor, huh? But not together anymore. (laughs) Yeah, this is weird. (laughs) This is a little weird. (laughs) Um, That's not weird at all. No. We are remote now, though. We used to do it in person. And uh, I'm at home, no pants on. Just kidding, just kidding. I'm wearing shorts. (laughs) Um, Anyway. pants, then. Huh? Technically, technically you're not wearing pants. True story, true story. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, you can find us on uh, twitter.com slash Meteor Podcast. You can find us on iTunes by searching for Meteor Podcast. And then you can find us on meteorpodcast.com. Uh, and if you're listening, you probably already found us. <laughs> All right. So this week we are talking about publishing data from an external API. Uh I don't know if you can hear that, but there's dings from Google+. Uh, talking about Crater Roundtable, uh, some packages, like a discussion around packages, managing wait times, uh, tokenized access, um, and how to scale a Meteor app. Some of those had longer titles, but I was lazy and didn't copy them. So, uh, First up, publishing data from an external API. So this is actually part of a, a two-part series that uh, David... Burles, I think that's how you say his last name, uh, posted. And uh, I thought this was pretty awesome. Uh, when I was at Differential, Greg and I actually worked on something similar uh, with the billing package, uh, mostly Greg. Uh, I was more a high level. But, uh, I, you know, the idea was like with Stripe, they have an API. Why bother to store that data? Like you can just make an API call and pull the data over, and we wrapped it up in a a regular um, kind of collection esque function. So you can uh, what do they call that? The publish function, uh, and you can when you're when you grab all your data, you can send a ready call, and then it pushes that to the to the client, and then. So you can even do the wait on and it'll give you the little loading spinner and all that kind of stuff. And so he walks through, uh, one, how to just add any old data uh, as the first part of his blog post. And then he wrote a second part, which actually shows you how to how to do fetches on an API. And he shows uh, he uses a Google API for fetching books. And so it'll take a query parameter and then it'll go fetch all the books and add them in as docs. And it's got like the... Thumbnail, thumbnail, title, link, snippet, all that kind of stuff, and then it it pushes that down, and then on the front end, you just treat it like a like a book collection. And when someone does a search, they'll start getting all this data on the front end that's not coming from Mongo; it's actually just coming from an API. So, is this like a limited functionality collection then? Because you can't write to it, and it's not going to be pushing new data up, or is this? Yeah, uh, I think this reactive? is this is more for well it. It's reactive, um, so if uh, – well, is it reactive? I guess technically it wouldn't be reactive. You'd have to like monitor the, the HTTP GET request, yeah, the resource, the, the endpoint at the Google API. Um, 
in order to really make it reactive. But yeah, but it's okay. I mean, basically, this is data generally is not going to be changing super fast. Or right. uh, yeah, um, you know, if you need something like that, then you could just use the API to stick it in the Mongo and and uh, let that be reactive. I suppose you know. Um, yeah. But yeah. This is this is pretty cool. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think. I, this is along the lines of the discussion we had before. You know, you and I were talking about like last week. I think it was. You don't have to have everything backed by Mongo. Um, this is. I mean, you could use the same instead of doing an HTTP request. You could use, you know, uh, a wrapper for Cassandra or something else, or Redis or Elasticsearch or any number of things, and uh, you could write handlers to not only publish the data but then to write it back as well if you wanted to you know yeah yep yep you can take it to the next level so that's yeah. that's cool yeah it's i think it's a good pattern to just keep your uh, front end from having to access things outside of collections yeah 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 and it's it's interesting too because this is a great way to consume those those apis and i was actually talking to dave over at meeting hero and he was wanting to do like have have an API and uh, use that for kind of like a data access later. And so this doesn't seem so far-fetched when you look at this, right, uh, to think that you, you could possibly pull something off like that. Mm-hmm. So Cool. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, next, next topic is uh, <clears throat> today, actually. Um, Sasha posted uh, on Crater, uh, what, you know, an, an idea around maybe th- – how we could collaborate on new packages that right now it's awesome that you can whip up a package and it's so easy to do that. The bad thing with that is sometimes there are more packages in a domain than there need to be, you know, cause mm-hmm. they didn't, I mean, a lot of times two different people can start on the same problem at the same time and they don't realize they're c- competing for mindshare. Well, and there's also a problem if you don't name your package, right? Like if I, so I named a package time ago, but someone else is thinking, you know, moment or, uh, you know, some other kind of keyword for a package that would give you like mm-hmm. three days ago, right? I, there's no way, like, there's no good way unless you're really, really good at putting in the metadata. Like, you're going to end up with two packages and one may have already been in place that would have taken care of your problem. Right. Yeah, so, so you know, how should we just accept this as the way things need to be or are there some solutions or, or ideas to um to uh avoid that sort of problem or at least minimize it right you know right. It, it so basically a spot where you'd go to check to see if someone's already working on this and, and maybe team up rather than compete um so i think this is a cool idea the conversations just started on um on crater uh there's like four comments but uh you know if there's if anyone has any thoughts or ideas on this jump in and um Maybe like I think. Oh, well, I just realized I just read the sentence from. Maybe we should use telescope. Was is uh, <laughs> Sasha's idea? So that is a good idea. Yeah, um, actually. So I'll just throw it out there. Like, maybe we could have like a discuss dot, you know, atmosphere dot or atmosphere js dot com or something, you know, and and uh, use telescope and just have like you know, it's not a forum per se, but maybe that would get us started, right? Mm-hmm. So discuss.atmospherejs.com. Yeah. 
that's the thing that should exist next week, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we said it on a podcast and now it'll come yes. true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's Which which happens. just happened, right? <laughs> yeah, that did happen. Now we've got Crater's got a little uh I updated it the other day and now you've got a little uh uh, notification if you've got the page open and new stuff has come in since you were last looking at the page it'll it'll say like three no posts or something game burls thanks yes indeed cool all right next topic uh so this was um managing wait time so i uh i, I was working on a project this week and uh, we were just randomly getting like long loading times on pages and uh, you know, my my first go-to thing when we want to troubleshoot that is let's install Kadira. So we install Kadira, got it deployed to production, and and uh, lo and behold, you know, there's a there's a wait time in the publications, and you know, it was taking like 17 seconds, 50 seconds in some cases, and it's like, whoa, what's causing that? And so you click on the wait time, and it gives you this this nice view of showing you all the methods and subscriptions that are being called but you don't know which one is the offender, right? Like maybe one of those is taking 20 seconds and another one's taking 15 seconds and all the rest are like, you know, sub uh, one second kind of publication subscription Mm -hmm. stuff. And so uh, like I was frustrated because I just, I see this list of 30 things and I don't know which one I need to be optimizing. And so I went and asked Aaron Oda like, Hey, is there something you can do? And he's like, yeah, we actually kind of have that halfway done. Maybe we can finish it. And then like the next morning I woke up and he finished it. And so, uh, it's been super nice because now we're actually tracking down troublesome, uh, slow requests and finding where we need indexes and that kind of thing. And it feels kind of awesome to be able to debug an app in that way. Mm, yeah. So pretty, pretty stoked with that big, uh, big props to Aaron Oda on getting that done. Yep. I have nothing to add to that. Good summary. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, next topic. Uh, tokenized access um, and invited use in Meteor by Dave Anderson from Differential. He's been cranking out some blog posts. Yeah. Um, Long time uh, listener, first time caller, right? <laughs> yeah, actually true. Wow. New blood. Thank you, new blood. <laughs> um, now, he... Basically, you know, he was working on a feature this week, realized uh, that he had to think way too much about it, and there was nothing on the internet about the best way to do it. So um, as he wrote the code, he he shared it. So there's a lot of code in this post, pretty long post. But the idea is, you know, if you are um, try if you're inviting people for, like, limited use without an account, um, um, this is the way to do it, or a way to do it at least. Do I smell an account's token package? account tokens <laughs> i wish i could tell you if that was true i don't know i, <laughs> I haven't <laughs> talked to, <laughs> yeah i haven't talked to him about this post i did read it though yeah. um yeah but uh no it's uh again it's pretty pretty specific um type of um use case but you know there's gonna be like a few months from now you're you're gonna be thinking back to where did i hear about that tokenized access you know uh so uh I, i'm sure this will help lots of media users throughout the future you know yeah. this particular problem yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's a lot of like good use cases for this, so I think yep. uh, I think it's pretty helpful. Yep, and I do it in Assistant IO. You know, like I we basically decided we want to make sure that you can invite people to meetings without having to force them to sign in. So, I mean, I've I've I haven't worked on too many ideas of my own, but the most recent one I had uh, needed this. 
So it is yeah. a good pattern. Yeah. All right. Uh, last uh, story is how to scale a meteor app. Uh, this one was my blog post for the for the week. Um, I yeah, I don't know. Like I've been doing a lot of thinking about scaling and getting a lot of questions. Like where where do I host is kind of a common question I'm getting on Meteor Club. And then um, uh, you know how do I how do I scale my app out is another question I've gotten a couple times. And so I just kind of sat down and tried to think through um, you know what what are the steps that I've taken in the past? Uh, because this isn't your typical kind of, you know, rails app or Python app or anything like that. Like you can't throw varnish in front of it and just magically make it, you know, scale out to a million users. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked about it before on this show, like oplog support is, um, vital. Like it is definitely, Step, made it possible. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely <laughs> step number one, right? Because you not only do you drop your CPU usage, but then you make uh once you do scale horizontally, like those changes are much more real time. Um and so that that's kind of key to me in order to uh be able to scale out like that. And then the other thing is when you do scale horizontally, um, you know, that being able to scale horizontally is definitely important because, you know, uh, back when I wrote that meteor killing rails post, uh, we, we, we had the server, uh, on the new blog package. Um, and you know, it was all on meteor. It was like our first day hosting the site on meteor and there were like 700, 800 people and, uh, modulus toppled over and, uh, we were like, oh, crap, what happened? And then we were able to scale to, you know, two servos. I, I kind of talk about this a little bit, but, um, you know, scaling to those two servos, we were able to handle all the traffic. Um, but ha had we been doing something maybe a little more interactive, uh, it definitely, like, the different poll would have made that be, like, 10, you know, 5, 10 seconds between updates. And it would have stressed the CPU and... Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think you would have been able to handle nearly as many connections, you know, if you have Oplog turned off or turned on. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Kadira, I talked about it a little bit, but it's it's pretty vital as well um, because you're able to dig in and see, like, which methods and which publications are kind of running slow. And the the publications, I get to this in the end of the post, the publications, I think, are kind of the central core of meteor like if you're going to have scaling problems i think this is where you're going to hit them first and depending on you know how much data you're pushing into the publication or uh how many people you're throwing at it like those are where you, i think you're going to have the scaling problems because uh you know you've got the merge box so that's going to drive up your cpu um and then if your publications are crazy or, sorry the merge box will drive up your memory usage and then the the uh depending on the publications and how much work you're doing in there that might drive up your cpu as well um and so i think that's where a lot of your scaling problems are gonna gonna happen first so yeah well i think again you covered that off pretty well um it reminded me you mentioned meteor 
killing uh, rails post. And it <laughs> reminded me of like a bonus topic that maybe we can cover here. Oh, nice. Well, yeah. first, uh, oh. before you get to that, we do have right. two sponsors. Oh, that's good. That's great teasing too, yeah. by the way, Josh. Nice. Oh. <laughs> Almost <laughs> forgot. Uh, first up is CodeShip. Um, they do continuous integration. So uh, if you're interested, check out uh, – oh, gosh, wow. Going to be horrible this week. I think it's CodeShip.io. And uh, we do have a coupon code. Wow, I totally should have brought all this up. Um, I suck. Uh, <laughs> let's see. <sighs> well, you want to do modulus this week, Rai? And then I'll come back to code chip. Uh, yeah, yeah. We could probably, well, if you want, we can actually cut this part out. <laughs> no, that's all right. We'll keep going. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, all right, so modulus. Uh, I'm actually wearing a modulus T-shirt right now. Look at uh, that. That's how awesome they are. Uh, <laughs> um, no, Modulus is just clearly the number one choice for uh, Meteor hosting. Um, they, they care a lot about the Meteor community. Um, big part of their business is Meteor, so um, you should totally host your Meteor apps on Modulus. And as a bonus, if you use CodeShip and Modulus, it's super easy to set up. I'll uh, I'll link to the blog post, but they work together. Yeah, they work together. Uh, so, like Man Manuel from uh, um, CodeShip emailed me, and he's like, "Oh, you did a good job on the podcast," and and he's like, uh, "I didn't realize Modulus was on there too. Uh, did you know that it's actually really easy to get the two working together?" And I was like, "Oh, really? Tell me more." <laughs> Is that because everything's easy to get working with uh, CodeShip and Modulus? Yes, <laughs> both of them are so easy. Yeah. Yes, uh, yeah. So. Um, Let's see. CodeShip is free hosted continuous delivery service. Um, you get 100 builds a month and five private projects. Uh, you can go to codeship.io slash meteor podcast and sign up. Uh, um, there's the special URL. There you go. That's what I was looking for. And then if you decide to go with a paid subscription, use the discount code meteor podcast to get 20% off any plan for three months. Sweet. Totally worth it. Oh. All right. Bonus. All right. Bonus topic. Volt RB. Oh yeah! yeah How yeah. could you? Was that this week? I don't even know if that it if that was this, this week. week. Yeah. So the meteor killing rails. You know, when when I saw that, I was like, okay, it might not be directly meteor that kills rails, but maybe it's Volt RB that kills rails. Could it could <laughs> I, be? Could I, I be. mean, but here's the thing. Like, so like I was just looking. Volt RB has you know 1,400 stars on, on GitHub. So clearly, the Ruby community likes it. Right. It is a copy of Meteor. Right? Yeah. It's not I don't think it is an exact copy, but it's, uh, it's I mean it's got web sockets, it's got real time. I mean I I don't know what's different about it. If anyone yeah, it's if anyone knows. It's it's also backed by Mongo too. Exactly. So so, so basically what I think is gonna happen is <laughs> Rubyists are gonna go check this out, they're gonna be like, This is pretty cool, but why are we using Meteor's um uh, <laughs> stepson instead of Meteor directly? So uh I think Maybe. it actually I believe this will actually create a conduit from from the rails towards media. All right, so you ready for the real mind blowing part? Yeah. Uh, apparently, the whole reason Volt RB can work is because of a thing called Opal, which I had no idea existed. Right. And apparently, it's a just in time compiler uh, for Ruby code, and it compiles in the browser, like cross compiles to JavaScript. I guess I. I think that's what I read. Um, so you can write Ruby code, but then it actually executes in the browser. Um, and so there's nothing to say. I mean, Meteor itself could uh, 
you know, someone could write a package that, that gets Opal yep. in, into the pipeline and you could start writing, writing Ruby code. <laughs> writing your Meteor and Ruby. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, like, seriously, you see, the kind of, you see the kind of issues that the Meteor core team is dealing with around just launches and just making everything work. I mean, how many issues have they resolved in their project since it started? You know, like yeah. these guys, I mean, obviously they can benefit a lot from that, but they're like 560 commits in. You know, Meteor has how many commits? I mean, uh, and it's not, I mean, there's just, Meteor's got a big head start um, and a big team, you know? Like, yeah. So, I mean, I, like I said, I, I mean, I would love for this to be, I mean, I'm not going to begrudge any open source project, but Meteor's 10,000 commits in, you know? So yeah. it's, it's going to be hard to keep up with Meteor. So I, I think it's cool. Um, it's actually, you know, it supports the case for writing your app and, and things other than native JavaScript that, um, you know, like, so I like CoffeeScript. So you know, yeah. CoffeeScript is kind of like Ruby, you know, <laughs> it's halfway to Ruby, um, so yeah, it's, it's just a cool project. If you're a Rubyist, listen to this, uh, and you're just thinking about uh, Meteor, go check out Volt. We can use that for a while till you can confer yourself completely over to Meteor. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other interesting thing too is like DDP is a gateway. You know, if if Volt adapted DDP as kind of the transport layer and eJSON, then I mean it would be very very easy to decide I want to do like a Volt ruby backend with kind of like a meteor javascript front end or you know like yeah it starts to get really crazy then <laughs> yeah they, they're not using ddp are they i don't think so not, i didn't not, quite not get yet. that deep yeah <laughs> yeah so, they should be we said it on the podcast so yes yes <laughs> by next week you guys you have till next week uh, now <laughs> um yeah well um and I guess there's how many more weeks till Meteor 1.0 launches? Um, oh, <laughs> so I cornered, <laughs> I cornered uh, Robert yesterday on the velocity. Uh, he's going to hate me for this. <laughs> you might not want to say it then. Uh, <laughs> so I told him I was going to do this. I don't know if he believed me or yeah. not. But uh, so I cornered him and I said, so, you know, I, I did my, my Babe Ruth kind of pointing at the fence impression and said, this is going to come out for October Dev Shop. And, you know, cough, cough once if I'm if it's going to come out in October. And he said, I can't say that stuff. You know, the only thing I'll say is, you know, there's a real push to get it out before all the holiday bustle. Mm-hmm. So you do yeah. the math. Yeah. So I'm saying, I think that they, here, here's my prediction. They want it to be for October, but it'll be November. That's my prediction right there. I don't think you're wrong. I think it's probably better to wait to November because I still feel like there's a lot of stuff settling out from 09. And I feel like, I know September is like out the window because there's just no way with 09, uh, 091 and 092 coming out this month with some pretty big feature stuff in it. There's just no way. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, right. This package stuff needs to be. It's not quite perfect yet, so um, or it's clo- as close as it needs to be. But anyway, um, yeah. I, I, so my countdown. I'm going to say eight weeks till launch. I don't know. Nice. nice. You're going to say four weeks till launch. I'm saying October 30th. Uh, five, which, five weeks. Which is the dev shop. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll and you, you may be right too. Like if they don't. If they don't hit the thirtieth, then they're going to do a dev shop probably right before Thanksgiving, I would think. Yeah. The Thursday before, so that'd be like uh, November twentieth. Yeah. So maybe that's nine. I don't know. Anyway, just having fun, guys. Yeah. yeah. Get it. Get it done when it's ready. But we are <laughs> anticipating it. You know, um, 
I'm getting a lot of people asking me that question, and I, I'm just telling everyone November now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. All right. Yep. All right did you do well, anything cool. uh, interesting oh. this week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually did write some code. Uh, nice. we're, I mean, I'm basically working to get user cycle, next version of user cycle, to be based on Meteor. So, oh, uh, nice. Yeah, uh, progress on that, but we're still. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy with the con- with the concept of what we're coming up with, but I really haven't gotten any hard coding yet. It's been mostly front end stuff. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah, more, we'll talk more about that when it launches because it's it's a uh, user cycle will be an app that anyone with a SaaS app uh, should be using. So. Yeah. All not the just listeners. Media, so. Yes. <laughs> I uh, I was working on the class. Uh, stuff this weekend. I actually sold out the first class. So. Um, oh, good. Yeah. I, trying to figure I, out when to when to run a second one at this point because I've got more right people. Now. Yeah. Uh, I've got more people signing up, and I'm I've got to tell them like, hey, that one's full. Like, would this date work? And so I'm trying to nail down another date uh, on that, and uh, that's been kind of a big big focus for me and then maybe uh getting back to today like all the whole velocity teams like trying to to work together and, and clean up velocity in the test suites and and try to get it ready for 09 and subsequently 10 um so that that's a big focus today yeah. and uh maybe maybe a little meteor book work this weekend i don't know we'll see sure <laughs> testing book yeah, testing. All right. Well, cool. Good talk. Uh, we will be back next week. Yep. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye-bye.